Welcome to Speaking in Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. My name is Stephen Conway. With me, as always, Jeremy Feinstone. We are contributors to the Fight Game Media Network, and we've got a lot of things to talk about as usual. We have All Together Again, a big show that happened at Sumo Hall that involved wrestlers from Pro Wrestling Noah and All Japan Pro Wrestling. We're going to be talking about a recent show in Chiba that involved the announcement of the G1 2023 block matches and uh, who's going to be facing who. And as always, plenty to talk about as we move toward Forbidden Door and uh, so many events going on. Uh, so, Jeremy, just again, general thoughts as we get into the show here. I'm going to say hello to Brad and Colin for uh, coming on right away here live. Happy 50th episode. Yeah, we we're going to mention that too. It's our 50th episode. So, you saw all together again. Uh, we're getting Forbidden Door. Some of the guys are going over to Mexico, uh, to Arena Mexico, for a Mexican version of Fantastica Mania, where we're going to see. We're working with everybody here. One of the great things about uh, being involved with New Japan, like you and I are, we get to see everybody. You know, we are all together again this week, Stephen Conway. <laughs> and speaking of being everywhere and being all over the world, it feels like you, my friend, were all over the podcasting world doing spots on the rap and mm -hmm. a, uh, a dosey do with the boom doing the, uh, the New Japan tutorial there. By the way, you killed it. Oh, anyone thank you. Get, anyone get a chance to listen to uh, the boom with James McDaniel and Kevin Ely? Stephen Conway was this week's guest. And he answered all the questions about New Japan that we talk about here on this show. But he got to do it on another show, and it was highly entertaining. Highly recommend it. I don't just say that because uh, he is my co-host and I benefit from this, but uh, he was fantastic. So please go check that out. Now, all together again, great show. Maybe not as consequential as, uh, as we would have liked, but there were uh, spots here or there that feel like uh, playing to a tapestry of a larger 2020. Yeah, I don't think there was a whole lot here that was canon. I don't think we're going to be getting things like rematches off of anything like that uh, or ongoing stories uh, off of this one. But it was an entertaining show. It was it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. And uh, and by the way, thank you, Brad. Appreciate that. Saying it was a fun episode of The Boom. I had a lot of fun being on that show talking about it and uh, supposing a lot of things about uh, what we might see at uh, Forbidden Door. But that's one of the fun parts. We get to see some of these dream matches coming up. Uh, and, uh, you know, Colin, you mentioned this, uh, what, what's with the lack of road two shows. The next one isn't until the 17th. They aren't broadcasting a lot of these house shows, uh, this time they're, they're only kind of doing the weekend ones. We're not seeing, uh, a lot of the road twos, uh, they are doing them throughout the week. They're they're They are touring, but, uh, we're, we seem to only be getting the Saturday and Sunday shows on this run up here. So I don't know if that's just giving the TV crew a break or if they're, uh, doing uh, maybe more of the same on these shows than they usually do. And maybe they don't necessarily want every one of them on there. So you can see that they're doing the same thing every night. Uh, but I think I would, that's more of it than anything else. I would assume with such a heavy load coming up with the G1 and Forbidden Door and a number of other high level events, they are generally just trying to take it easy on the guys and maybe have performances that aren't necessarily TV, TV worthy. <laughs> but uh but, you know, uh, it, it's fine. It gives us a little bit of a break and focus on big picture stuff uh, yeah. when it comes to uh, the New Japan, the New Japan scene. And uh, Conway's having fun over there. He, he overused his rig this week. <laughs> I did. I, I messed up my little microphone, my little spit shield right here. And now it will not go back up to where it's supposed to be. So if I sound different, 
I'm sorry about that. A trained professional over here just knocked his microphone. Uh, but yeah, uh, and Brad, uh, yeah, I think Brad uh, mentions this here, uh, keeping people healthy for Forbidden Door this year in the G1. Well, you can't blame them for being a little bit gun shy. They they are doing uh, they are doing shows. I mean, they're working shows, but it's a lot of uh, ten mans and eight mans and six mans and things, which we're used to on that. But I think they probably are a little bit worried since they were bitten by the injury bug hard going into Forbidden Door last year. God knows so. Yeah, uh, we'll do that and see how those matches go. We're going to get the, the Saturday show. Then we're going to get the Sunday show. We're going to talk about those. Sunday show is back in Chiba, where they were last week. And that's unusual. But this is the Yuji Nagata Blue Justice show that mm, uh, Nagata helps okay. promote. And there is a very special main event on there. That one's going to be uh, pretty interesting. Some of the All Japan guys coming back for that one. Of course, Yuji Nagata is the current Triple Crown champion. He's the top champ in All Japan right now. So we're going to be seeing some all Japan talent on that show uh, in Chiba. So uh, and we'll, we'll get into the lineup of that a little bit later. Just as a reminder for those of you who are listening to us as a podcast, don't forget to uh, rate us, uh, give us a review, helps people find the show. We definitely appreciate that. And of course, uh, subscribe, hit the like button, all those types of things on uh, YouTube for the Fight Game Media Network. And you can also find Fight Game Media Network on all of your favorite podcast apps. And, of course, we'll be up here uh, as a podcast a little bit later tonight. Don't forget the Patreon, too, for Fight Game Media. There's This is a good example of so many things going on around the world right now. Fight Game Media can help you keep track of it all with uh, the various shows there. And that's another example of what you get out of Fight Game Media. Look at that graphic from the boom from your episode, man. Yeah, for the folks for the folks listening now, of course, we, they do graphics like we uh, similar to similar to us. They have some graphics on the show right there, and they have this very comic book, uh, very cool comic book version of Okada here with a New Japan's World as the uh, as the headline right there, and that looks very cool. Yeah, so that was that was the boom episode that you were on, my man. Yeah, there you go. So here we are, episode fifty. And uh, we've, been doing the we've been doing the show for over the year because uh, over a year because we foolishly believed that there wasn't enough content to uh, go every week. <laughs> we found out very very quickly we were wrongo about that one. We were, it was killing us to wait two weeks to the next show, and so we said, well, let's just go weekly during G one. That seems to make the most sense. We'll go weekly during G one, and then we never stop going weekly after that. It, it was basically just like couch to 5k style in terms of podcasting <laughs> yeah <laughs> we were uh we were getting our we were getting our legs under us and uh now that we're now that we're full steam ahead we are a considerably better show than we were 50 episodes ago but uh but still the same heart and spirit yes <laughs> yeah and uh, i finally have uh, my room unpacked at first it was just empty shelves behind me too so i finally have the office unpacked we've come a long way we have come So uh, let's talk all together again. We're going to go yeah. through that. We're going to go through the G1 blocks a little bit later. There's plenty to talk about there, of course. But let's go through this all together again. Show. So it was at Sumo Hall uh, last Friday on uh, June 9th there. And the attendance on this one, 6,569 at Sumo Hall. Apparently each company, NOAA, All Japan, and New Japan, all had chunks of tickets that were sold uh, to their fans by them as well, which is a little unusual. Uh, and so you saw... Perhaps the All Japan section is not quite as full. It's it's the third place company. However, the one thing I wanted to mention uh, here, Jeremy, is I we talked with Justin Nipper when he was a guest yeah. that the All Japan guys were going to be particularly motivated going into this show because bigger audience than they're used to. It's going to be a bigger live crowd and certainly a bigger uh, 
group of people watching at home than what all Japan is used to at this moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chris Charlton, Kevin Kelly mentioned that that has kind of ebbed and flowed over the years between all Japan, New Japan, NOAA. Each has taken their turns as the number one promotion in the country. Right now, pretty strongly in New Japan's camp with NOAA as a, as a good number two and Japan as, as number three, and all Japan as number three. Mm -hmm. But the All Japan guys were definitely motivated. I think they shined the brightest on this show because you could just tell that they really wanted to wow people uh, going into this. So uh, I was really impressed. And, and frankly, I, I already knew I wanted to see the Noah guys because I've seen them before. Mm -hmm. I like them. I enjoy their stuff. This makes me want to see more All Japan now. I don't have time. <laughs> you know, maybe, I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll catch some of the major events or something like that. But boy, there's some real talent on that roster in there, Jeremy. Yeah, no, uh, they they brought what they needed to to this show. Um, we'll go through the we'll go through the card because there is a lot to unpack with the show. Even though it was uh, you know a cooperative spectacular more than it was like canonically important for everybody. Uh, people showed up and showed out. But if you think about this, if you think about this card, right, and you think about this show, it was a charity show that cost mm, twenty. 3,000 yen or whatever it was over there. But if you go and watch all of these uh, these services, you can watch a month of each one of these services for less than the, the total of this entire show. And you can get a better catalog. Here, you just get everything at once. And you're just like, okay, how do these guys all incorporate with each other and what they do there? So I thought that was an interesting dynamic of how much you were you were willing to spend for charity to to get a taste of all these guys, even though if you wanted to watch all these guys already, you could probably watch them independently cheaper all combined. It's kind of a, it was kind of a weird one when I was thinking about that. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That's, that's a fair point. I wanted to mention a quick question here from Colin. Uh, what platform is the boom on? I'm trying to find it on Patreon. You don't have to be on Patreon to get that one. I believe that one comes through the, uh, the uh, fight game podcast feed i uh, believe the as well. free and... fight game media podcast feed is what you're going to want to look for and it's on the same feed as the rap and uh the fight game podcast so you'll see it drop every monday night and it'll be available for you on your tuesdays colin so keep an eye on there it's not the patreon feed it is the free feed for everybody that's right so that, yeah i think that's uh, it'll drop on tuesdays for for the folks i believe yeah. collins in scotland if i'm not mistaken he's uh he's got a rangers logo on his twitter handle i've noticed so there you have it uh with steven gerrard my captain i'm, I'm down it's it's all right uh so uh yeah let's talk this show so uh, they had a pre-show match uh that we wanted to kick off or do you want to go to match number one what is going to match number one Okay, so uh, we're going to get to this one here. And just like I do want to mention that the pre-show match was Ryusuke Taguchi, Taguchi Yo, Black Mensare, and Ryo Inoue. Uh, so that's some all of Japan talent in there against uh, Kotoge, uh, Yoshioka, Alejandro, and uh, Super Crazy from NOAA. It was fine. It was a fun, it was a fun opener, a decent uh, little uh, match to open up there. Yo defeated Kotoge with the uh, direct drive there, and it was sort of a warm-up match. And gets a little... Got to see a little super crazy there, who's uh, always a fun uh, luchador. So uh, moving on to this one, as you can see, we have chaos here. And that is, uh, we have uh, Yoshi Ishii, Goto, and Yoshihashi. Now they faced Masa Kitamiya, Daike Inaba, and uh, Yoshiki Inamura. 
So I'm gonna, yeah, there we go. I want to make sure I pronounce those guys' names right, just so I'm not used to it like I am with the New Japan guys. So I, this have, is... I have enjoyed my Ishii and Kitamiya interaction this year. I will mm-hmm. say that. <laughs> but I tell you what, Daiki Yanaba jumped right in there too, didn't he? Like, yes, the, he this was the match that we knew was going to be the stiff one. Like this is just gonna, we're just gonna hit each other very hard in this one. And indeed, it was. I thought the uh, Inamura and Ishii stuff was the highlight. Uh, these were two big bulls just going ahead. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bishamon ended up getting the Shoto on Inaba to win this thing. It was really good with Ishii. Uh, Bishamon kind of held back on this one a little bit. Yoshihashi had some shine early, but again, they kind of let the other two companies shine in this one more, I would say. Uh, and definitely entertaining and uh, very hard hitting. So uh, a fun match to watch where they just put the bulls in the ring and let them crash into each other. Yeah, I know. Everything about this match was the mean guy, big boy match. And uh, this is not going to be the last time we see any combination of these, these big meaty men slapping meat as big e of <laughs> wwe this is exactly what that was and uh when the time comes that this show is free i believe in september this is one of those uh matches you fire up is like i just want to see guys just beating on each other this is that match <laughs> and up next we had chris ridgeway and sean legacy so these are two of the foreign talents there uh for uh, noah against tmdk that's zach saber jr and kosei fujita in this case and uh in this one i have jeremy what did you think of chris ridgeway and I, i'm going to say this and i don't know if i was in a bit of a cranky mood or whatever but frankly i wasn't impressed i thought sean legacy was better in this match than he was I just thought Legacy was good. Fujita was good in this match. Ridgeway just seemed like a discount Zack Sabre Jr. as far as his uh, his ring style goes. He was doing the holds. He was doing the submission stuff and the you know the British style thing, but just not as well as Zack. It just looked like you were seeing somebody that was trying to be Zack and wasn't quite on that level. That was me, and maybe I was a little crabby, but. I'm sitting there hearing about Chris Ridgway, and then I saw him, and I just thought, oh, I've seen better versions of this over and over again. I, so. I, w- I would politely retort okay. that Please. your expectation of someone being like Zach Saber Jr. is a well, bit high. Yeah, I know. He is, but... he, is, he, is, he is among the elite of the elite. If a guy is trying to emulate that style, I applaud it. Uh, it is a hard style to emulate, and he is not all the way there is a fair criticism that I would say with that. I would I would say keep at it, but both those guys, Ridgeway and Legacy, have promise. And for the one time that I have seen them so far, uh, particularly more impressed than less impressed. And I think mm-hmm. I think it's the promise and the potential rather than what was delivered tonight. But I did like the story of them not getting along. But the moment they kind of did get along, they had the match in hand easily. That was a, that was an interesting story to me. Yeah, I suppose the, the Ridgeway. I don't know. I, I would rather see Legacy again than Ridgeway. That was. I favorite. would agree with that. But there is there is a market for what Ridgeway is doing and uh, an avenue for success with his wrestling style potentially. Okay. Now up, up next, uh, here we had. Uh, what was thankfully very short. It was Shota Umino <laughs> who was put in the ring with Yoshitatsu. Now, there's no two ways around this. Yoshitatsu isn't that good, and he's an older version of what he was when he wasn't that good anyway. So uh, 
thankfully this was kept short, just under six minutes, 5.58. It felt it longer. It, it did. It didn't have a lot of heat because everyone in the building knew Shoto Amino was winning this match. There was just no way in the world that Yoshitatsu was going to go over Shoto Amino here, and he didn't. But uh, it, it didn't have a ton of heat just because it seemed like it was almost an exhibition. It's like, okay, eventually Shota's going to hit Death Rider and his move, and we're going to be done here. And, it, and that's exactly what it was. So, uh, yeah, Yoshitatsu, not particularly mobile. And even when he was in his prime, one of the best guy they ever had. Uh, so, you know, there it is. And uh, Shota got a victory on the show. Yeah, they fed Shota a guy, and the guy didn't really, you know, show up to do the job as well as he probably could have. That, that I don't know, that might be up. about as well as he can get. You think so? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah he, that's unfortunate. I, he, I really yeah. don't remember much of uh, Yoshi Tatsu other than his brief WWE run. And he's had injuries. To be, and to be fair to him, he has had injuries since that run as well. I, that is I was a little more forgiving of it, basically, given I, I knew – loosely what his career path was and uh what tra- what showed his trajectory is now is kind of you know it was a match to be had yeah, yeah it, was, it was a way to get Shoto win on the show now this was not now, a match to be had. now things are picking up a little bit right so Hokuto Omori and uh Shuji Ishikawa taking on uh Go Shiyazaki and Katsuhiko Nakajima except they didn't <laughs> so there was a bit of an issue here Ishikawa got sick and couldn't make the show. So he was replaced by Satoshi Kojima. Now, Kojima has been a champion in, uh, he's a, he's a uh, uh, Grand Slam champion. He's held the IWGP title, the Triple Crown in all Japan. He's held the GHC title in NOAA. So he has connections here. So they brought in Kojima in Ishikawa's place. But basically, this Axes team, which is Shiazaki and Nakajima, are a really good team. And they work very well with Okudo Omori here. Uh, Omori the little asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. And Omori plays a hothead who just picks fights with everyone, including Kojima. At one point, just threw Kojima out of the ring so that he could fight the other guys. Uh, not particularly into partner. Doesn't play well oh. with uh, others. But he absolutely came off as a, like a star in this match. I had so much fun watching Omori in this one. Uh, Nakajima did end up winning this one with a brain buster on Omori, but I came away wanting to see more Okudo Omori because he was just a little fire plug in there. And Shiyazaki and Nakajima, excellent workers. So I enjoyed the heck out of this match. Yeah, this is a quietly quality match. And I, I think when we were talking the preview, it was something that we really wanted to see, but it did still uh, exceed my expectations of what it was and what it delivered. And Omori, Omori, quietly uh, MVP of the match. You know, he really he really elevated it with what he was doing to to raise the stakes for the other side. Yeah, and just had that personality. And you again, another All-Japan guy who was heavily motivated going into this one. Uh, Colin says, I'm the second person today that I've uh, that he's heard say Yoshitatsu isn't very good anymore. Yeah, uh, it's a combination of age. And, and again, I wanted to mention, too, the guy has had some serious injuries that will slow anybody down as well. So not trying to just crap on the dude, but, you know, it's a Yoshitatsu, you, it's uh, seen better days. And uh, there it goes. So after that, we had... Speaking of strong style... Thank you. Right in there. Uh, right on cue with that one. We had Ren Narita, El Des- es- Del Desperado. I can't, I was about to read this. El Desperado. On the, the, <laughs> it's still there. It's still there. And, I and never Minoru changed Chima. it from last week. I just edited in some photos in between. And I was so, like, you know what? And I forgot all about all the issues 
with all the clay. So they put on me, guy. No, that's fine. It's, it cracks me up if they did that. Uh, Narita, Desperado, and Suzuki against uh, ne- uh, Naomichi, Marafuji, Takashi Segura, and Junta Miyawaki. Uh, Miyawaki, sorry, Junta. Uh, I gave the office tra- for all these guys who what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, they this one wasn't the the biggest. Uh, this one wasn't the biggest spectacle. Uh, Desperado ended up beating Miyawaki here. It was enjoyable enough. The The chops of Marafuji and Narita were the highlights for me. These guys yeah. smacked back out of each other right there. But other than that, it was a you know, decent match. But you're right. And none of these guys were really putting themselves out there too much at it. Yeah, it was just, uh, Desperado, Desperado made the look uh, strong at the very end of this. He's got a number of matches that we'll talk about later on that are interesting. Mm-hmm. But... He seemed like the guy that they should that they should focus on coming out of this match. Yeah, and like, like you mentioned, that's that's a very good point. Desperado got the pin in this one, probably should because he has some high profile matches coming up. Where uh, you know Suzuki really doesn't. Suzuki actually turned up on an All Japan show uh, not too long ago as well, like from this past week. So he's been moving around as well and uh, doing some different things. There we life. go. <laughs> Here we go with this one. This was United Empire, uh, Great Ocon, Jeff Cobb, Aaron Hanare, TJP, and Francesco Arakira. Uh, and they took on Hikaru Sato, uh, Jun Saito, Ray Saito, yes, they're brothers, uh, Ryuki Honda, and Dan Tamura. That was the team there uh, from the All Japan crew. Now, the Saito brothers are big guys, have interesting look. They have a little bit of an attitude to them. They're they they're another ones that they're another group that just fights anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're heels in all Japan, but they're very green still, and they're former sumo wrestlers, so they're adjusting to the pro style uh, here. But I, they showed a lot of personality and promise. I think that's going to be a really good team someday. Uh, Akira sold a lot at the beginning of this one. He's the the Ricky Morton of this bunch here, and uh, once. United Empire rushed the ring to save him. The match really picked up and t- got pretty good toward the end. It was only 11 minutes and 42 seconds, but the second half of this match, very enjoyable to watch. And uh, Akira managed to beat Dan Tamura with the leaning tower and the fireball knees. Uh, but yeah, I, this was another one where it, it wasn't the highlight reel match on the card right here, but this was a good wrestling match. Uh there are many shows that have a high spot fest card where it's just so much that you, you just thrown out there eight people, 10 people, 12 people in a match, and they're all just getting their stuff in fast paced. So many people in there, you're not really telling much of a story other than who's got the advantage and the disadvantage. And if you like the United Empire, this is a, this is a match to check out, but uh, not part of the catalog of four star plus matches that a lot of these guys have had this year. Up next, uh, we had uh, one here that was uh, involved, the Triple Crown Champion and New Japan Talent, Yuji Nagata, uh, teaming up with Suwama and Yuma Anzai. And we're going to talk about Anzai here in a second. Against LIJ, now the group they had here was Naito, Takagi, and Bushi. And what we had in this one was a super rookie. So this, this guy here, Anzai, let's talk about him because, wow, so this guy only began training in April of last year. He debuted in September of 2022, and now he's already very good. And, and so he's the kind of all Japan super rookie in this one. 
he went right after Tetsuya Naito, which was very, very smart of him and savvy. If you're going to be remembered for something, go after the biggest star in the whole match. Very smart. Uh, go after so, the biggest dog in the yard. <laughs> Sawama is a recent babyface. He was a heel for a long time. He's a recent babyface. He didn't do a whole lot in this match until the finish, and it's all I remember from this. Thing. We're going to get to that. That's kind of uh, how I felt about it. I was wondering how you were going to get through explaining this match. It's like, yeah. All I really remember is Suwama killing the guy. Anzai is very handsome. He's charismatic. Nagata's the triple crown champion. And, and, and I guess he's going to be defending against Anzai relatively soon. But the rest of the match was basically Anzai chasing after Naito and trying to get as much time with him as possible. Uh, Shingo didn't have a ton to do. And then finally, Suwama got a hold of Bushi. And gave him a last ride power bomb for the ages. I, this thing was nuclear. It's one of the best <laughs> oh, last rides crazy. I've ever seen. The Undertaker wishes he could do a best a last ride this good. It, it looked like it was he like, murdered the boy. Like you like you look away for like oh <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean it, it and yeah, you know Bushi's been Bushi's been wearing this mask that only covers his face now instead of the entire head thing that he's kind of got sure rid of feel about that but yeah you know he's he's the play he's showing off the blonde hair he's showing off the blonde he got the good dye job and he's uh he's showing it off but uh, i i thought his head was going to pop off and squirt into the third row when he landed on this thing it was brutal so uh anyway the finish looked great if you hadn't figured that out yet so there it was it was I, I the was all shocked. japan guys getting I a win lij was gonna win this match I, for whatever reason i just like i default lij when it went in these matches but you know they can lose and it just doesn't matter sometimes yeah it's fine and and like i said bushi's the one guy in lij that's not protected so he does jobs uh fairly often here and it gives all japan a little something something you know they can they don't have to take a loss in in all these so and they were careful about that in the last two matches, which we're about to get to. Uh, although this one's third from the top, and we have uh, some other stuff here. Oh, and we got a few more to go. But uh, yeah, here we go. We have the good-looking guys against just five guys. So the good-looking guys, <laughs> Jake Lee, and uh, Jake Lee uh, from the uh, he's the Noah champ. He's the GHC champion right now, uh, and Yohei and Tadasuke of Noah, and they took on Sonata, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Takamichinoku. So uh, Jake Lee uh, got actually got the Paradise Lock on Sonata, and they did a lot of stuff with the GHC champion and the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, the rest of the match was just kind of there, I think. Uh, there's a reason Takamichinoku was in it, so that they could protect everybody else, and there's a reason he was there and not Doki or Taichi, because someone was going to have to do the job right here, and Taka doesn't mind doing that. Eight minutes and 34 seconds. It's fine. Jake Lee looked good in it. Uh, Sonata was being pretty careful, didn't do a whole ton. But, uh, yeah, it, and in commentary, by the way, Chris Charlton mentioned that Sonata may just be turning up right. on TBS on Wednesday. And that is uh, not the only time that that has been dropped. Even Sonata yeah. in a backstage presser for, I think, one of the shows. Was like, yeah, yeah uh, I would keep my eyes out on AEW Dynamite. So uh, they are booked. The only guy that I know of that is of real note that isn't on the New Japan Road this week is Osprey. But that could be up to injury and not actually because he needs to be on TV in any way, shape, or form. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But, yeah, that's where we're at right now. There you have it. So that, that was a win there for the Noah crew. And we started to get into these uh, six-person matches after this one, which featured a guy from each company on each team. So you have a Noah guy, an All-Japan guy, a New Japan guy facing 
another team with the same type of combination. And this one was my favorite match on the show. And uh, for me, anyway, I really enjoy this. And so you had Hiromu Takahashi, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, uh, Amakasa from Noah, and he had Atsuki Aoyagi, and Aoyagi is the All Japan uh, Junior Heavy Champion, uh, going up against Master Wato, Hayata from Noah, and Rising Hayato from All Japan. And uh, Hayata is the Noah Champion. So you had all three Junior Heavyweight Champions in this six-man here. Uh, in with some of their top rivals. Of course, Wato just won Best of the Super Juniors. Really fun match. Uh, Rising Hayato does uh, like an emo type thing where he kind of sits in the ring all serene, and it was a nice little contrast with Hiromu Takahashi here with the punk rock, with the you know the late seventies punk rock uh, look uh, and early eighties punk rock, I suppose, really because he has a lot of the was Black Flag and some of that stuff on his jacket. Uh, Hiromu does. Aoyagi. I wasn't expecting to get confused between Hayato and Hayata, but it did happen. (laughs) It did happen. And, uh, yeah, this was good. It was a lot of fun. It was, of course, you had six guys who were all strong junior heavyweights, so it was very fast-paced. It was very crisp. They they really worked well together in this one. Uh, Aoyagi ended up defeating Hayato, so the All Japan champion pinned his rival in this one, and that kept anybody else from having to do an embarrassing job or any other champion losing. But uh, this was my favorite match on the show as far as just enjoying a wrestling match. I thought this was a lot of fun with six really good workers. So we got Amakusa, Atsuki Aoyagi, Hiromu Takahashi, Master Wato, Rising Hayato, and Hayata. These are all probably six names that we should be paying a lot of attention to over the next year to two years in terms of their prominence and what they're going to be doing in the junior heavyweight division and probably in wrestling in larger. Uh, these are all, these are all talents in greater recognition, including Hiromu Takahashi, who probably doesn't even get as much love and attention that he deserves even as of now. All right. And then we went on to the main event, which is the heavyweight version of the match that we just saw the top stars from each company uh, teaming up here. So we had uh, from New Japan, Kazuchika Okada. From All Japan, Yuma Aoyagi, and he is the brother of, uh, of uh, Atsuki Aoyagi from the previous match. And Keno uh, against Hiroshi Tanahashi from New Japan, Kento Miyahara from All Japan, and Keito Kiyomiya from NOAA. Now, Okada has all kinds of history with Keito Kiyomiya. We've been discussing that. Uh, Kiyomiya, in fact, they said was softened up by Okada for Jake uh, Lee, you know, to, to take that GHC title off of him. It was part of the story right there that he had uh, suffered that defeat to, to uh, Okada and wasn't quite the same as the champion after that. So there was lots with Kiyomiya and Okada, of course. They kept going after each other. Uh, Okada didn't get along a whole lot with Keno either, for that matter. But Okada doesn't get along with anybody anymore, does he, really? Uh, the only guy he seems to like is Tanahashi and Ishii. Those are the, that's it. That's the list. Right Which now. made it awkward for this match, but hey, you know, yeah. one night. <laughs> yeah, for one night. Uh, we got dismissive jerk Okada here. You know, even when he was in there with with uh, with uh, Miyahara and uh, Kiyomiya, he was doing the whole kind of just put the boot on his head and shove it, you know, like almost the, the pie face with the foot type of thing. And just you're not on my level. I don't think anybody is that type of Okada we got here. Uh, this was good overhaul. I I was hoping for more from Kento Miyahara because I, I love the guy. He's one of the best guys in the world that's not in New Japan. He and I wanted to see do him anything, do a little though. more. He didn't do much at all. He didn't need to. Well, like, I know. His presence was like, yeah. 
he, his presence was so strong in this match. Just the way he carried himself, like yeah, for a guy it, that I don't know very well, uh, he came off as a big star among among a lot of other people that I consider big stars. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you're right. He he does have this big presence to him. But if you watch his stuff on YouTube, there's a Shingo Takagi uh kento miyahara match from before shingo got to new japan fantastic stuff and uh you know you just see that and you're hoping for some of that you know you want to especially with guys like okada and keno and all that you just like so much stuff in one this is part of my like criticism of why you're you're paying a lot for this show but if you go and watch all japan for a month you're gonna get way more of kento miyahara for much for a much better deal. So I thought that was interesting in that aspect that they didn't really do more to show it off. But in some way it was like, here, here's a teaser. We've given you a lot this show. Here's a teaser to make you come back and check out more of our product. Anyway, the finish came with Okada beating Tanahashi with the Rainmaker. So again, another thing where uh, nobody from Noah or all Japan had to do a job on the big show there. Tanahashi did one for Okada and that was it and of course they had the little thing at the end where Okada led everybody in doing the Anoki chant they had Anoki's grandkids there and brought them into the ring for it that was a nice moment and everybody just kind of came together in the ring uh, again this show was also for charity as well so there was a bit of a solidarity moment in there where even the heels were begrudgingly standing in there toward the back and uh, clapping along so that was uh, you know it was a nice ending and it was a good show for the most part, it's not the most, like you said, the most consequential thing we've ever seen in terms of any storylines going on. I we didn't see a champion get pinned by a key challenger or anything like that coming off of it, but uh, you know, just a it, collection of pretty good wrestling matches. And if you're keeping track at home in New Japan, this is the second Rainmaker that Tanahashi has taken from Okada in a match opposing each other this year. And Miguel Rubio, uh, good to see you, Miguel. I'd suspect in the booking of a match like the main event, it's probably agreed that no one wrestler will shine brighter than any other. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a – I agree. I think there's a bit of mutual respect going on that, hey, we're, we're going to make sure that everybody has their moments and, and, and look good there. But a lot of that depends on how much effort you put into it. And we did see a few guys kind of cruise control this show a little bit, I think. They were taking it a little easy in some cases. A good show. If you want to donate to charity for a good cause, this is not a bad way to do it. If you want to wait until it's free in three months and watch it then, <laughs> I wouldn't blame you either. Fair With enough. that, we are on to Cincinnati. Do you want to talk about the G1 or you want to talk about Forbidden Door 2? Well, you know, let's go over Forbidden Door 2 real quick because there are only two matches. Now, the two match, only two matches announced, but these two matches are shut up and take our money matches. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the only two things so far that we know, and there are a few things we suspect, a few things we know for Forbidden Doors, we are getting the dream match of dream matches, Brian Danielson against Kazuchika Okada, mm -hmm. and the rematch of rematches being Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. So, uh, just, Jeremy, any uh, thoughts that you have that we haven't mentioned on the show before about this before we move on to anything else? I'm thinking... I think there's a very real chance MJF isn't on this show, and I'll tell you why. The AEW title should not be in a position to be on the undercard to any title, including the United States title. But the United States title with Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay is so big that 
you almost better just leave MJF off of it because he doesn't have a character that allows him to team up with anybody else. And he doesn't have a concept that would really make sense in terms of having him on there. So if he's not on the show, I wouldn't be surprised. Other than that, I think all bets are off. I know on the boom, we were talking about uh, who Hiromu Takahashi could uh, be facing. And the underlying rumor on that one was potentially Phoenix because he was going to want to face someone starting with an F. Now, my dream okay. match, <laughs> dream match on this was Hiromu, Naito, and Yoda Suji versus Orange Cassidy, Sting, and Darby Allen. But if that doesn't happen, I'll take pretty much anything else because it is unrealistic to expect that and not get it and just stomp my feet and say, not fair. I don't like this show anymore. But that was my dream scenario match to have because I really just wanted Hiromu and Darby, but I know Hiromu wanted a match with Sting and Naito should be in there in some way, shape, or form with Orange Cassidy. That was a one-on-one match that I really wanted to see with Naito versus Orange Cassidy. Yeah, I had an idea for something like Tanahashi to team with Sting in a special match and just get that all-time legends and icons sure. match in there too. That I thought that would be fun. Brad mentions this. This show could be these two matches alone and it would be worth $50 or 20 with fight and a, and a VPN, uh, which is a good way of putting it. But yeah, absolutely, right? I, I mean, you this match, the two matches alone, I don't care what's on the rest of this card, but I think we're going to get Zack Sabre Jr. against Samoa Joe, TV champion so. versus TV champion. And I would be fine if they did a 15-minute draw on that one and nobody loses their belts. I think that's the play, that. right? You'd think, you'd think. But, I mean, you know, again, if he could use Jeff Cobb like a jungle gym, imagine what he could do with Samoa Joe, and Joe is a different wrestler than Cobb is. But what a match those two could have. So I'd love to see that. I'd love to see uh, – just so many things. And I and if Hiromu wants to wrestle Phoenix, all right, I'm in. Death Triangle versus LIJ, one-on-one. Yeah, Whatever the combination is, there is going to be a lot of gratification on this show. Uh, we all know, at this point, the hell that Tony Khan went through in booking this show. And if you're watching the New Japan shows on our end, you know that New Japan is not doing a whole lot of work to book this program. This is all heavy lifting on the AEW side to promote this show and make it happen. New Japan is just promoting on to their strong shows on July 4th and July 5th, which makes really interesting uh, the dynamic of, of a lot of these shows. We haven't seen Will Ospreay or Kenny Omega since they booked that match back on uh, Double or Nothing weekend. When that basically was set, we haven't seen Will Ospreay. We haven't seen Kenny Omega. That show, that match has been booked and sold the show based off of just telling people, hey, it's happening, and they've had to do no other build for it whatsoever. That is astounding to me. Well, Will was at Dominion. He wrestled Lance Archer. Right, that's what I'm saying. Dominion was like, I'm sorry, Dominion, after Dominion, we haven't seen that one of them. Right, okay. Like, it's done. Like, they basically, Mm -hmm. Will's not on the tour this week. Uh, Kenny Omega has been missing. And again, that could be resting his shoulder as much as anything else. Could be resting his shoulder. Kenny Omega has been storyline written out going to find friends in Japan. We've got four AEW shows to book this thing. And I don't think we're getting a heavy booking of it until next Wednesday. And then the collision show that goes home the night before. Like this is a, this is a Super Bowl week style build for Forbidden Door 2. This isn't a month long, two month long kind of thing anymore. You got your two matches. Everybody knows 
you're going to get your money's worth off of those top two. But everything after that, they can just tell you the week before, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it's something they could book a little bit later. I would like to. I think on Wednesday we're going to get a little bit of an idea. Of we'll get it. We'll get you know like uh, ramping up the speed one two three four five. You know, like we're we're going to be shifting into gear one. Collision will probably have a couple of ramifications. But once those shows are done in Japan and they're off for they're off to do whatever they're going to do until the G one over on the New Japan shows. Uh, that's when I think all bets are off, and we're going to get some really crazy dynamite collision. Uh, interactions heading into you know it's tricky though isn't it because both of these companies are pretty busy this time yeah. of year to, to try to do forbidden door as well you know the of course new japan has uh the those fourth of july shows two shows mm-hmm. at cork and hall coming up for strong and then of course the g1 tournament is the biggest deal of the entire year meanwhile aew they have a brand new national television show that they're all set for this Saturday because the CM mm-hmm. Punk in Chicago. After that, hasn't drummed, drummed up a whole lot of interest for a collision. And uh, that's a worry there. I mean, the ticket sales are throughout Canada, pretty poor. So they have some worries there. Then they have this England show at Wembley Stadium, which is going to have an enormous crowd. That's not the right. problem. But you have to book the hell out of it and make sure that it's good. And then they have a pay-per-view right after that. So everybody's got a lot to think about. And there are a lot of storylines that need to begin to peak at key moments. And then to throw in Forbidden Door in there, you got to know that probably both companies are just thinking, shit, why do we do this? <laughs> which conceptually... not, not, that I, not that I don't want to work with these guys. Why does this have to be now? <laughs> conceptually, like it... Both both promotions are like it's not canonically figuring in hugely into their world. You know, no. you got Brian Danielson talking about it, but if you really wanted to look at it, this is more being booked like a like a two promotion all star game where it's like one and done, and then you're walking away with very little consequences. I don't know if we're going to see Eddie Kingston on uh, Forbidden Door, but given you know all of his interactions, is he going to be showing up? And then are they going to keep him healthy until his New Japan strong match with Kenta, you know, in Japan a week later? These are all just kind of questions that are up in the board uh, about where this could go. Uh, Meltzer talking and confirming that doesn't look like we're going to have a whole lot of stardom talent on the Forbidden Door. No, they have a pay-per-view that same day right. and, a, and, a, and a big one. It's right. A, right. I think everybody is booked on it for that one. I think literally. I think the whole roster is booked. So I'm curious about what they're going to do with Willow Nightingale. I think there's definitely like something that they should be doing with her, especially it seems like they had plans to do Mercedes with somebody in the match. She's got to be treated like a big deal, and I hope that you know they put her in there somewhere as well. There are things that they need to do to put this over the top. They are in shut up and take my money, but it doesn't mean that they are free from criticism of lazy booking from here on out. Okay. We'll see how it goes over there. So back home, we had another show in this week. It was in Chiba. That one did appear on NJPW World because it had a major announcement, and that is in the middle of this show. Uh, we are we got the G1 blocks. Now, before we get into that, I do want to mention a couple of things here in the comments that are that are uh, worth mentioning here. Brad mentions, contrary to rumors, even with Rush Roosh uh, quitting AAA, he still can't be on the show. Apparently, he still has heat with CMLL. He needs to clean up. Hell, yes, he does. The entire Munoz <laughs> family has heavy. That's a 
uh, Rouge, uh, his father, Albistia del Ring, and his brother, uh, Drulistico, who was one of the people who were Mistico. In, are uh, are you out. able to give me the explain like on five on this one? <laughs> Boy. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Mystico was, uh, I'm going to try. Mystico okay. was a top star in CMLL, one of the best wrestlers in the, in the world and certainly one of the major draws. He ended up going to WWE and becoming the first Sin Cara. So okay. he was gone. They decided we still need Mystico. So they had uh, Rush's brother uh, become the new Mystico. That was fine, except Sin Cara didn't work out in WWE too well, and he left, and then they made another Sin Cara, but never mind that. So then Sin Cara came back to CMLL. Well, there's already a Mystico. So he became Caristico, where he melded the Mystico name with Sin Cara, Caristico. So now he had Mystico and Caristico. Well, then the Munoz family, which was Rouge, who was a heel, and the Bestia del Ring, who was a heel, uh, their father and son, and of course, again, uh, Mystico was the, the brother and and son of those guys as well. Uh, they he they left the company, so Caristico went back to being Mystico. So there you have it. Uh, and and now he and now the former Mystico, second Mystico, is now Drulistico. There you have it. And uh, I managed Thank to keep this straight in my head. Yeah, <laughs> I got it in under five right there. But yes, uh, oh, all kinds of heat with the entire Munoz family and CMLL. So yeah, don't count on them being anywhere near this. Uh, unfortunately, CMLL will hold a grudge. I swear, if if I had taken a photograph on my Facebook feed with a AAA wrestler 10 years ago, I might not be able to go into Arena Mexico or something. There are, uh, I, it just runs so deep, and they're so pissed about what happened in 1992, ladies and gentlemen, when Antonio Pena, who was working for CMLL, took a lot of the roster that he wanted to push, and the the front, the main office didn't want him to, and all that, just took him and left. Did kind of what Misawa did with pro wrestling Noah right there. Took him all across the street and created a, a, a genuine rival. Things ain't been right since. And CMLL isn't over it. They're still not over it. And I don't know what has to happen for them to be over it. So it's it's still like that there. Uh, let's see. What else Brad say? If we thought ghetto booking all these tournaments was the same work, Tony having to book all these big shows blows that out of the water. Whew, I'm not I, sure about that. I have thought about the massive calculations that Gato is probably going to have to do to make the G1 work. Huh. And, oh, and my God. <laughs> and he's making it more complicated on himself. Yes. because it's, Yeah, he, we gotta, we're going to talk about this. But he's making it Brad, more complicated. you have a we, point, but yeah. I was thinking about this earlier. I don't envy either man. Let's put it that way. No, I don't envy either man. I don't want either one's job. And he actually overcomplicated. Well, not overcomplicated. He, he made it more complicated by making the G1 four blocks, which is fine. Done that, before, you know, A, B, C, D. But then he's taken it a step further and said the top two guys move through. And so now we have quarterfinals, semifinals. It's getting to be like the World Cup where you have block play and then the knockout rounds. And that's really where G1's going with this thing. 32 people in and then yeah, quarterfinals, semifinals. It's gonna, complicated booking we, right there. We got we got we to gotta unpack this thing. Yeah, they're still teasing that. Uh, Colin says they're still teasing the stardom wrestles would be on Forbidden Door. We know that's not happening. Yep, uh, it's not. Temper and, and, your expectations on that one. Yep, you're right. They're not going to. And, hey, that pay-per-view – 
for stardom is a big deal. It's going to bring in some money for him. And there's going to be a very key plot point one way or the other there, because the Queens quest group is facing the Oedo tie group, their title matches. But then the main thing is a steel cage match with Oedo tie and Queens quest. So two different factions, uh, a survive the cage kind of escape the cage match. Whoever's left has to leave the faction, uh, that they're currently in. And that's going to be a big angle. And they're, teasing that Queen's Quest has given up on their leader, Utami Hayashita. And so that's going to be a big deal. They're just not going to send people all the way across the pond to do this show when they have a major event going that's going to shape things for stardom going into their biggest tour, which is the five-star Grand Prix, their version of G1. Everyone's very, very busy. And again, Forbidden Door just seems to be caught in the middle of all these massive things going on with these different companies and uh i'm just glad we're getting the two matches we get everything else is gravy that's how i'm thinking about it yeah just, absolutely. You know. uh hey. there were a couple of random news and notes that i kind of wanted to touch on before we got heavy into oh, the one talk uh the first thing is it's on the 10th of uh june when they had the new japan Road. there were a couple of key plot points in a couple of the matches or mm-hmm. not not one of them one of the matches and then general new japan world so Kosei Fujita is no longer a young lion. He is a full-fledged member of the Mighty Don't Kneel. And yep. Stephen, do you want to explain this a little bit more? Well, what he was saying in the post-match comments is that he is not a young lion anymore, and he's not the young boy of TMDK anymore. Not that they have a new guy or anything, but he's not. He's a full-fledged member now. And because that was the whole Ichiban Sweet Boy, right? He was the, mm-hmm. the young lion of TMDK. I'm curious to see if that changes his presentation. He did come out to the TMDK music and not the Young Lion music uh, when he had a singles match against uh, Nakajima. By the way, Nak- Nakajima, Yudo Nakajima, <laughs> hit him with a chop that shattered windows in that building right there. He hit him with one a really hard chop. In the that whip match. snap. <laughs> Ooh, man. Uh, it was good stuff. But afterwards, he said he's full-fledged TMDK. Was that, uh, was that at the post-conference for Altogether again? Because it wasn't in the... No, it was at Chiba on the 10th is when he mentioned that in his okay. post-match comments. Uh, and altogether again, Zach talked about a little bit about it, like getting getting him a promotion, maybe doing some recruiting mm. for team uh, for TMDK. So, yeah, it, it looks like they're fast-tracking Fujita a little bit out of that Young Lion program. So the, we'll other, the other big news and note was it looked like Bishamon has a challenger for their tag titles, and it might take them out of contention of defending those titles, both Strong and IWGP at Forbidden Door 2. So the War Dogs, the new Bullet Club team of Gabriel Kidd and Alex Coughlin, have made individual challenges for the IWGP tag titles and the Strong tag titles both nights of the New Japan Strong Independence Tour on July 4th and July 5th. Now, it has not been accepted, and it is not officially on the books. But if they are going in that direction, that is a uh, that is a strong suspicion that that is the direction that we are heading. And we may not be seeing a Bishamon tag title defense. On Forbidden that doesn't Door. mean they're not going to be on the show. It just means they aren't going to be defending the title. I will, yes, I wanted to be very specific about that. We will not be seeing a tag title defense by them. But they are a, a high enough caliber team that I would fully expect to see Bishamon there at Forbidden 
So they could do something with like with FTR or yes. something like that, where it's just the titles aren't on the lines. You see champion versus champion, but not title for title. And and I'm I'm okay with that. Again, I'm okay with the TV title uh, going to a 15 minute draw. I, there's always the temptation to have a you know a winner in these things or or have title versus title, but it's such a headache to try to coordinate all that mm-hmm. between getting the champion into the other company to defend and all. We saw with FTR last year where things just kept not working out. Carl Anderson with the never open way title, it just kept not working out. So I, I'm fine with everybody coming back with their belts is all I'm saying. Companies should have their priorities of their own properties. And if they can make it work in a cooperative, uh, you shouldn't be having to devote too many resources to make it work. And if you are, and it's, more of a detriment to both companies than it is somewhat a failed experiment. Yeah. So should we go through G1 and then talk about the matches in Chiba? Because I do have a couple of comments about that. Or do we want to just talk about Chiba and then do let's the just, Let's just quickly go through Chiba and then yeah. we'll just don't we'll, dedicate the rest of the show to the we're G1. Not, yeah, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. And I, quickly, uh, Colin Matthew uh, mentions either Saya Kamatani or Utami leaves Queen's Quest. It's the only conclusion. Yeah, I agree. I, in fact, I think they took the high-speed title off of Azumi. Uh, from the Queen's Quest group, because I think they're getting her ready to be the number two in that faction. Uh, that's uh, instead of a little bit lower down in the group. And Brad mentions the only stardom wrestler not on the show is Fukujin Death, the the uh, the clown that whacks people with people with newspapers. And I'll tell you what, hmm. uh, that wrestler <laughs> is actually really good when she's not doing that clown gimmick right there. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm not sure I want to see that one against Willow Nightingale. I'll pass. On that, that. <laughs> I'm not sold on the description. I will tell you that. <laughs> I, I, Fugage and Death is an, an acquired taste, and I, I do think I have acquired it, though. I, I get a kick out of her work, and when she's not in that character, actually, and she's a longtime veteran of uh, Joshi Wrestling there, she's a really good worker, actually. She's just doing a fun gimmick. So, uh, yeah, uh, Chiba, let's do Chiba here real quick. We mentioned that Fujita defeated Nakashima on uh, the show. And uh, mentioned that he's no longer a young lion. After that, we had Makabe and Honma defeating Oscar Loibe and uh, Bolton Oleg, uh, or Oleg Bolton. It just depends on if you want to use the Japanese order of last name and then first name, but uh, you know, Oleg Bolton if you want to go Western. Uh, it was really cute to see uh, Honma out wrestle Oleg in this one. <laughs> I can only imagine how hard Oleg was working. <laughs> Here and uh, trying not to, uh, to trying to put over the idea that uh, Tomowaki Honma could out wrestle a guy who is still to this day, as we speak, ranked in the top ten at 125 kilograms on planet Earth. Um, and then, you, of course, after the first two matches, you can get a pretty good idea that this is going to super deep card. <laughs> no, it's not. But uh, Oleg is greener than most young lions we see. Yes. They tend to wait until they're more of a finished product before putting them out there than what we see with Oleg. But uh, you know that they really want this guy to work and they really want this to work. So they're putting him out here a little greener than we normally see our lions. I'm going to pause you real quick. I asked you a couple of weeks ago, do you see Bolton Oleg in Bullet Club? Do you, does that change any, do you feel any differently about that question now? No, I think, I think he could be. I mean, like if they wanted to move him in and move bad luck Fale out, that could work. If Fale wants to stay in New Zealand and train, you know, it's, yeah, I think it, it, as a as a bully heel, he has a, all kinds of potential. Yeah, and uh, and I think he checks off a lot of boxes. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> oh yeah, and and Brad agrees. He says if Ola can put it together, he's going to be a star. He has a great look. Oh, he does, and a uh, hell of a build on the dude too. I mean, just a you know massive 
uh, shoulders and and the chest and things, and he just he just looks like a guy that's a, a pro wrestling star, I think. And uh, one last thing on Fukujin Death, uh, Kaori uh, Yonayama, best character wrestler in the world. Yeah, she's got several, by the way. That's not the only one she does. She's uh, really explores that type of that end of Joshi wrestling. So yeah, uh, we saw uh, we saw Yoshihashi, Toru Yano, Taguchi, and Yo defeat the House of Torture. This was actually a better version of this match than usual, but nothing particularly uh, mind blowing. What uh, what other notes did you have for this? Uh I looked at that lineup in this match. I'm like, okay, here we go. Uh, that 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 is the eight of the undercard that has not been shining as bright as others, with the uh, the exception of Yoshihashi being in Bishamon. But uh, it wasn't offensive. It was just a match. <laughs> it wasn't offensive. There you go. That's about all you can ask of House of Torture, isn't it? Uh, let's see. Okay, uh, United Empire with Hanare, TJP, and Akira against Maloney, Clark Connors, and Ghetto. Of course, Ghetto is there to protect everybody else. He bloody hands submitted to Aaron Hanare's full Nelson. But this was a bit of an appetizer that I enjoyed because I think this match with Maloney and Connors against Catch Two Two, I think it's going to be really good. I'm here yeah, for there, it. There was real chemistry between Connors and Maloney here. Yeah, I think I think they're a great tag team together that dynamic that they have and the, the story of, you know, Karen TJP feeling betrayed by Maloney, even though they, you know, they didn't do a whole lot of heavy lifting to, to set that relationship at concrete, but you know, they're playing it like it was a huge devastating and sometimes the cell afterwards works for the, for, for the angle. And so I, I am quietly here for it. It is one of the only matches that they are currently building on, on the whole with the G1, you know, on the outset, you know, a couple of these tag matches are, are, the, are the big feud, everything else is kind of, you know, off to the side. So, you know, as a highlight title feud for the next couple of weeks, I think it has uh, potential to get some attention. And uh, Brad said he, he's done a total 180 on Maloney since his turn. It does fit him, doesn't it? Bullet Club makes a lot more sense for him character-wise, attitude-wise, presentation-wise than United Empire did. And I think it's going to work. And, uh, it's uh, something that they have done before. You mentioned the quick turns. Uh, two uh, two other times, examples. Robbie Eagles came in as a member of Bullet Club initially, brought in by El Fantasmo and just didn't feel comfortable with all the rule breaking and things and ended up switching over to Chaos. And then, of course, Chris Bay uh, came in. Uh, not Chris Bay. Uh, Ace, Ace Austin. Austin. Ace Austin, excuse me. Ace Austin came in as uh, a, basically a freelancer, wasn't affiliated with a group. And uh, got over uh, fairly well, I think, in Best of the Super Juniors last year. And then uh, suddenly, but early on in his run, uh, aligned with Bullet Club. So they like to do that once in a while. They'll throw some uh, some things. So uh, and, and then Collins asks, can either one of you tell me why Ghetto still wrestles on these cards? I could understand it during the pandemic, but not now. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly why, Colin, seriously. Uh, it's because he always does the job and he protects everybody else on his roster. He, he, he Almost any time Ghetto is in a match, uh, he loses it. And it's the same thing with Jado, who was an, a New Japan booker for a while. And I think he puts himself in there so that he can do the he can take the loss and nobody else gets hurt by taking uh, unnecessary pinfalls. So I honestly think that's why. And then also just to get some exercise, he's still in he's still in really good shape, actually. And granted, he doesn't his gimmick. And the way he works now, he's not going to be having five star matches or anything like that. Uh 
he and Jado were a great junior heavyweight tag team back in their day, which was a while ago, I'll admit. But I really think he's there uh, pretty much to uh, protect the others. And like he's the one that got pinned by Fujita when Fujita was still a young lion. They hardly ever have young lions beat anyone from the main roster. And it would be kind of humiliating for anybody else. But if Ghetto does it himself, that just sends a message to the roster, you know, hey, guys, I'm, I'm protecting you. I will, I will also say he is an excellent proxy for David Finley. You don't mm-hmm. realize that Finley isn't there, but you feel like his influence is when Ghetto walks out with all of as his lieutenant walking out with all of those guys uh, in the Bullet Club. It, it's just a presence. The presence works well, and you can't, you can't artificially create that presence with anybody else. He has just way more value than, than, than on the outset. And Brad says other groups have young lions like Hantai and Chaos have young lions that join in for jobs. Uh, Bullet Club doesn't use young lions, so Ghetto does that. Takamichi Noku does that Ooh. for just five guys now, and it's and Bushi does it for Lij. And he's the guy That's that just takes the, takes the L's. Yeah, so he's the Bushi of uh, Bullet Club in that sense. Just he's there to protect everybody. Ah, speaking of Bullet Club, yeah. This match. The War Dogs, uh, Alex Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd. Uh, the frustrating thing uh, about this is poor Alex Coughlin now has to go through life without blinking. Oh, my gosh. Be... I don't the know how he does that. The wide-eyed stare that he has, is... that's going to take – that's going to – Okay, the stare, everybody. The staring so, contest. The staring contest with Dexter Loomis on this one is going to be staggering. I, I'm Alex Coughlin had the cyborg gimmick up to <laughs> when before he joined Bullet Club, yeah. and it was a great gimmick. He looked like an android. Whatever, uh, it worked for him. Now that he's a warlock, he doesn't talk, but he <laughs> stares. And I'm not talking like you know, just kind of like somebody staring at you from across the way and, and it makes you uncomfortable. This dude's eyes are bugging out of his head and you can see the white of his eyes overtake his pupils in a way that is just deeply unsettling and he is staring right in the camera. He does not blink and this is happening for 30 seconds to a minute when they're doing their backstage promos. Deeply unsettling. You can watch it for free, I believe, on New Japan World. Uh, amazing stuff. Alex Coughlin still hasn't blinked and we're three days after the show, writes Brad. Yeah, I, I know. He, it, it's he, Dexter Loomis, Jenna Ortega in Wednesday. Never, almost never blinked. Uh, so, uh, and yeah. That's, but we uh, talked about it. They won the match and they are challenging for the IWGP tag titles as well as the strong tag titles. And they are demanding two different matches for this, which would make you presume that they are walking away with maybe one of them, maybe both. But mm-hmm. it would be... It would not look great if they challenged for both and didn't walk away with either title. No, I don't think they're going to do that to him either. And and it, it makes more sense to have two different teams. I don't know why they put them together in the first place. But, but anyway, never mind all that. The uh, But, yeah, I think that that's a, a good chance that they're probably going to go one and one on there and at least take one sets of belts. Also worth mentioning, because they are putting over these two new heel teams, both uh, teams in Bullet Club, Maloney and Connors, Coughlin and Kidd ended up doing the post-match beatdown on the champs, uh, their respective champs afterwards, including Yoshihashi. The match was against Hiroki Goto and Ryohei Oiwa, and Oiwa was there to take the fall. Yoshihashi was at the announcer's table and uh, doing the commentary, and he tried to help Goto because they kept beating on Goto after the match, and then he ended up taking a, a whooping too. So doing everything they can to get these new teams over, as they should. Yeah. All right. We are moving on to Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii. Uh, not a title match, but they were working together as a group uh, with Master Wato. 
And they took on Shota Umino, Ren Narita, El Desperado, and Tiger Mask. Take a wild guess who lost this one. <laughs> on there. Uh, going through the motions, I wrote in my notes here, but nothing wrong with it. Perfectly fine match, but nothing uh, staggering there. Ishii with the brain buster on Tiger Mask. Uh, he telegraphed that a little bit by wearing his vertical brain buster t-shirt to the ring. Uh, it's similar to the old Suzuki goon one, which was just said, gotch style pile driver and huge letters across it. Uh, so there it was, uh, you know, fine, a perfectly normal match. And it led to the elimination match for the main event, uh, LIJ and just five guys. And this one, uh, they had a, a couple of moments in this one that I got a kick over, uh, out of. First of all, it was Naito's elimination. Did you catch that, Jeremy? Yes. Uh, so Naito was sitting on the apron. He went over the top, was holding on. And basically, in a New Japan elimination match, you lose all the traditional ways. But also, over the top to the floor, Battle Royal style is an elimination from this match. And so that's how they do most of them, so that you don't have to see guys doing too many jobs. Of course, Taka did one for Yoda Suji very early. Uh, that's Taka's job. And then uh, later on, Naito... A lot of people up... were making Yoda Suji look good in this match. <laughs> yes, they all worked hard. Too. Uh, at one point, Naito went over the top rope, but he was sitting on the apron. Kanemaru drop-kicked him, and you could see that Naito's legs were both under the bottom rope, but he was sitting outside the ropes. The idea was to do the thing where he falls backwards, but he catches his feet on the bottom rope and doesn't get eliminated. Because, of course, you have to go all the way to the floor, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Naito just missed that bottom rope and tumbled out, landed on the back of his head. Nice job. There he goes. Eliminated <laughs> way too early. We don't know what the finish was supposed to be. Maybe he was going to you know, do the whole thing where you do the, the crunch and get yourself back up only to get knocked off again. But uh, did, change, not, pal. <laughs> did not get to get the round of applause for holding on with his feet. It didn't quite work. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's a Jimmy Hart spot, by the way. He used to do that in Memphis where he would get punched <laughs> by Lawler and hang on by his feet. And then somebody would hit him and he'd fall on the back of his head or something like that. That's a uh, always a fun spot. This came down to, to guys getting thrown over the top rope to the f hanging on then getting knocked off the apron to the floor. And that's pretty much how they eliminated almost everyone until it came down to Doki and Yoda Suji. And that allowed Yoda Suji to kick out of Doki's uh, DDT, the one where he kind of slingshots himself over the top rope into the DDT, kicked out of that. But then he ended up uh, rallying, getting the curb stomp and the spear on Doki, which again looked fantastic. And so a way to get the new guy over here, he wins the match for LIJ and Yoda Suji's hand is raised at the end. And he did the little talk on the microphone afterwards. He's good at that too. This guy's got everything. Did you, uh, did you catch what he was saying on the microphone afterwards? Yeah, go ahead. So, to sum it up there. He did talk uh, a little bit about it. He, is, uh, he was a home, he, he was somewhat of a hometown character. He spent some time there. Really crowd had no idea Talking about mm -hmm. going to the Costco down the street, eat some hot dogs, right. doing some Hindu squats until he couldn't stand anymore, and then he just gave a normal speech after after the show. You know, he's uh, he is not going to be the uh, the standard bearer of New Japan. All he wants is the world title. All he wants is to to be the man. But he doesn't want to be Okada. He just wants that title. And he wants he he wanted to make it very clear what what his role is and. You know, this crowd is behind him. They they yeah. really like them from Yoda Suji, man. And uh, he's going to have a bright, bright next two years. It's really interesting how that group of Young Lions uh, has developed because the Young Lion Cup, and I think it was 2019 or something, had Yoda Suji, Ren Narita, Shota Umino, Yui, uh, 
Umeura, uh, Gabe Kidd in it. You know, like all these guys that are now uh, starting to bear fruit. And it, boy, it looks like they are uh, every bit as talented as some of the best classes we've seen uh, over the years. So, uh, you know, that Watto's group had ended up with great Ocon, Watto, Kitamura, unfortunately, they just passed away recently and had injuries, but he looked like he was going to be the biggest star of any of them. Well, then, and we just thought, boy, that's going to be tough to beat. This next group with, with Suji, Narita, Umino, and uh, Kid and all the rest, looks like it might be one of the best uh, classes of young lines they've ever had. It, it's definitely going to go down as pretty legendary. The bad luck Fale Hiromu Takahashi one pretty strong too. They got a lot out of that. That's fair. That's they did fair. get a lot of that out of that one. Speaking of the potential of the future, you ready to talk about some G1 this year? Oh man, am I? Because look at this stuff. We've got the blocks. They announced who's going to be wrestling who, and and we've got uh, some really interesting things going on here. Some stuff I was a little disappointed in at first, and I'm going to talk about why. But then I just thought, okay, well, it's ghetto. We're playing the long game in a lot of this, so. Let's go over this and uh, find out what they have in store for us. So, uh, what, what do we begin with here? A block? Okay. No, no we'll just we'll, we'll explain the That's general not... rules. Okay. All right. Let's... We're going to start with the D block, but we're just going to have a graphic D. up here. All right. And we'll go D, C, B, A. Okay. We have a 32 man field in mm-hmm. four brackets of eight. They are going to be doing a round-robin tournament, and it is not going to be per bracket per night. They're going to be randomly drawn and created into a schedule that has already been posted in which by the end of the tournament, all members of all brackets will have wrestled each other once. When that is done, the top two winners in each bracket will go on to a quarterfinal tournament. Stephen, this is where it gets a little interesting. There are uh, some key things in here, and the winner of the bracket in the A1, B1, C1, and D1 will face an already determined bracket of the second finalist in C2, D2, B2, and A2. And it has already been decided from there who the winner of A1 versus C2 versus B1 versus D2 would face C1 versus B2 and D1 versus A2. So there are already some people that you could mark in there and create a preceded finalist and then create the entire bracketology all the way through. And in order to get eight brackets created like this, that is some pretty complex booking that we have planned by Ghetto. Yeah, and of course, the, the, in storyline, you are rewarded for winning your block by getting to, in quotes, uh, getting to face somebody who finished second in his. So, mm-hmm. th- th- and that's another thing they do in, in uh, sports that have tournaments such as this World Cup's perfect example. Very similar to the best of the Super Junior layout this year. Right, yeah. So there we go. And uh, there are uh, also another key thing I wanted to mention, 20-minute time limits instead of yes. 30. Traditionally, half-hour time limits in the G1 this year, it is only going to be uh, – it's only going to be 20 minute time limits. And and that is significant because you only do that if you're going to use it, because if you're Mm going to have everybody win and lose in 30 minutes, then you don't need to lower it. You know, you can always just have them win and lose in 20 under 20, right? The only reason you would mention that you're only doing 20 minute time limits is so that they can protect some guys. And of course it's a good way to have key people 
lose points without losing matches. So it's two points for a win, one point for a draw, and uh, nothing for a loss. So you can always have uh, it come down to the end and maybe a time limit draw keeps someone from getting that one more point they needed to get over the hump. But I have a feeling we're going to be seeing probably multiple 20 minute draws in this tournament. You'd I'd have to ton. think, right? Not a ton, but you would do it. If, you can't, at least you can't a do a whole lot. You can't do a whole lot of main event draws, but I'm thinking there might be one in the, in, in the entire G1 where it ends with a main event draw. And I just like, we'll get to it when we get to it. But yeah, and Brad mentions 10 matches a night uh, with uh, 20 minute time limits is a very easy. It makes it a very easy to watch show. Yeah. There it'll, it will have a, a, a quicker pace to it. Uh, yeah, I, I'll agree with you there. And uh, so we're going to see some interesting stuff here. And let's look at this D block since you wanted to start with that. Here yeah. are the participants. We have Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tetsuya Naito, Hiroki Goto, Zack Sabre Jr., Toru Yano, Jeff Cobb, Shane Haste, Alex Coughlin. Now we have a mix of two debut guys here, Haste mm -hmm. and Coughlin, in their very first tournament, mixed in with some of the very most experienced guys in the company. This is also on top there. You have some of the older guys in here too. Hiroshi Tanahashi, 22nd consecutive entry into this tournament. Naito, 14th consecutive entry, although he had the one thing where he got hurt and had to miss the rest of the tournament. But anyway, his 14th. Goto's 16th in a row. And uh, and Yano, his uh, 18th entry, 17th in a row. So some of the most experienced guys, plus Zach and Jeff Cobb, who have seven and five, respectively. So uh, Yano is here, I think, to give the older guys a night off mm -hmm. <laughs> in some ways. But to me, when I look at this, I'm thinking Naito and Zach with Jeff Cobb as the uh, guy hanging around until the very the end. The dark horse candidate, yeah. I was going to say, I think Zach Sabre Jr. is probably the top seed for me in the bracket with Naito uh, performing the underdog duties, the skating in kind of scenario uh, that he always seems to do. But if he just has a spectacular G1 and, you know, Cruz is in there, I wouldn't be shocked either. They have to do Naito versus Sonata at some point. They do. And so I, this could be the opportunity. Uh, it's also possible that Naito could, you know, go through and win the thing because they, they love having Naito in a big uh, match as well. Naito and, uh, and Sonata could... at Wrestle Kingdom would not at all shock me. I thought it was a lock to be Dominion this year, given, you know, yeah. what was going on between the two. But I'm also not sure that that is a match that needs a title on the line. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I, I'm standing by my idea of Will Ospreay winning this thing. I'm with but, you on that one. But it, we'll, we'll talk. Well, we're going to get into a lot of that, a lot of previews. Uh, Brad mentions Yano versus uh, Zach Sabre Jr. is going to be a riot. Yano for TV champion. Just kidding, maybe. Please be kidding. Please be kidding, Brad. No, I don't want to see Yano as the TV champion. But, uh, yeah, I, it'll be it, – Yano always this. comes up with very creative ways to – uh, upset the apple cart in this tournament. Remember, for a while there, the whole story was that Suzuki couldn't beat him in the G1. Uh, Minoru Suzuki couldn't beat him. In the, so he'll always come up with some sort of wacky way to get a count-out win or a sneaky pin or something like that. It'll, it'll be entertaining, and he's in with a bunch of guys that can facilitate stuff like that. Uh, speaking of a guy that... Oh, go ahead. Tana is going to get the Kushida treatment here, according to Brad. Not I, out of the question. It's not. I think he's probably going to be more... Uh, four and three and four or four and three in his matches than that. But yeah, I, I think the days of Tanahashi being a factor in this tournament are over. Unfortunately. I do. Uh, I do think there's a very real likelihood that Jeff Cobb gets his win against that Sabre Jr. Finally here. 
Mm, yeah. Oh, that's a good call. That's a good point. This would be a good place to put it. Good place to put it. And uh, seeing and Shane Haste and Coglin, that could be the thing where they get their points off of Yano, and then Yano ends up upsetting somebody. <laughs> that's a that's a you know that's the kind of thing he can do. He's 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 like a what little chaos regret. goblin running around in there. All right, so that's D block. Now we got C block. So all right, all right. go so for it. This one, David Finlay, Tomohiro Ishii. Evil, as you can see here in our graphic, he's the front and center. Tama Tonga, Shingo Takagi, Aaron Hanare, Eddie Kingston, who's a special guest here from AEW, and Mikey Nichols. So, debut entries for Eddie and Mikey. Uh, they are uh, in their first G1s. Finlay's in only his second, and so is Hanare, only their second. And uh, Ishii is in his 11th. Uh, Evil, his eighth. Tama Tonga, Shingo Takagi, sixth and fifth, respectively. This one seems a little more obvious than most to me. I feel like this is Shingo Takagi and David Finlay's block. I'm sure Eddie Kingston is going to be involved toward the end because they always keep their guests uh, in the mix. Mm -hmm. But I think this is the, the stiff guy block. So we're between uh, Finlay, Ishii, uh, and Shingo and Kingston. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of bruiser uh, bruiserweight type matches. Mm -hmm. It should be fun. I, I initially, my knee-jerk reaction was Shingo and Kingston going on, but I don't think you can ignore David Finley in this. And oh. my question to you is, would you have David Finley win the block and Shingo be second, or would you have Shingo win the block and David be second? If you are that serious as they seem to be about David Finlay and he's the leader of Bullet Club, I think here he wins the block. I, I think it does. Yeah. And of course, that brings up the inside joke of all this, which is a little wink and a nod to all of us who've been paying attention for years. We finally get Finlay versus Sonari in the C block because let's talk about this for a second. So <laughs> when, when the G1 were A and B, it was, it was a lot simpler. It was A block versus B block, right? Finlay and Hanare spent a lot of times in those preview tags. So back in the back in the day, if A block were having their singles matches, the B block guys would wrestle in preview tags underneath. And you saw a little of that last year where Bad Dude Tito and Royce Isaacs came in to be with Waller and uh, Jonah, right? Well, Finlay and Hanare had a little back and forth after, well, our matches are for the C block championship. The guys that didn't make it into the G1 were the C block. And uh, that was a running joke for a while. It's like, who was going to be the C block champion? We kept track of it here uh, last year on the, as a, as a gag as to who was winning the C block uh, <laughs> show was a champion, I believe last year. But uh, yeah. So they, of course they have these two finally, and they put them in the C block. So there you go. Someone will indeed uh, have bragging rights on the C block. Not much more to add there. I, it, not the bracket I'm most excited to see, but the bracket that I feel can uh, deliver from a position of being underrated. Yeah, Finlay versus Eddie on the last day is huge. You're right, Brad. That's that's why I'm really convinced that they're going to keep Eddie Kingston in the mix. That's going to be one of those deals where Finlay has to get past Kingston maybe in order to win the block or get it. He might finish second. I, I'd be fine if you she know Eddie block. dispatching yeah. Bullet Club, but then getting dispatched by Bullet Club uh, yeah. later on in the year makes a lot of sense. It gives Eddie something to um, to fight for later on, and he may actually be the strong champion at that point again he's getting a title shot yeah so uh having the strong title uh with eddie and uh finley having the never open weight title could be an interesting dynamic i don't know there there are things that you can play around with that 
In the B block, we have Kazuchika Okada, Yoshihashi, Taichi, Kenta, Great Okan, Will Ospreay, Tangaloa, coming back off of his injury. Glad to see him back in action. And El Fantasmo. So this block is intriguing for a couple of reasons. There's some interesting matchups over here, especially with Phantasmo, I think, and uh, just uh, some of the stuff here with uh, Taichi as well. Will and Great Okan? Will against Great Okan. We're going to have uh, an inter, uh, inter-faction match there. So, you know, and Kenta was one of the people that helped turn on El Phantasmo. Mm-hmm. So that there's going to be a little bit of heat into that. And, of course, anytime uh, the Gorillas of Destiny are going to run into Bullet Club, there's going to be uh, some steam on it. But this feels to me like uh, it's another block that has two front runners with a dark horse, that being Osprey and Okada, who I feel strongly are, are going to be the ones that come out of it. And I, I do think that you're going to see Taichi involved toward the end because they're treating him with a lot more respect with that King of Pro Wrestling thing. And I, I don't think he's going to be going three and four and four and three. I think on the last day of the uh, block action, Taichi will at least be mathematically in it. But I still feel like it's got Okada and Will, right? You can't have the quarterfinals yeah. without those guys. I think, I think this is going to be the most photo finish to create the most drama, but... This is this is feels like a foregone conclusion that this is Okada and Osprey. And I will tell you, of all the matches I think that could potentially be a draw, Okada versus Osprey could be most definitely a draw. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure looking forward to that match too. That's yes. one of the gonna be the highlights of the whole tournament. A lot of people so, will be um, talking about that match and looking to figure out how they can watch it. Uh before, both before and after, I think. So this A block, Jeremy. Look what they've done here. So you've got yourself Sonata, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, and you have Chase Owens, who's in his third one. Now, Sonata's been in eight tournaments. Chase has been in three. After that, everybody else in this block is making their G1 debut. Hikuleo, Ren Narita, Shota Umino, Yoda Suji, Gabriel Kidd, Kato Kiyomiya from NOAA. The other thing that jumps out here is that no fewer than three of these men are feuding with Kazushiko Okada. At the <laughs> and he's not in the block. I, I just like, really? Shota's not? He's not having a match with Shota during the tournament? He's not having a match? Well, he might because, you know, it, it depends on what happens in the quarterfinals. He's going to run into some people uh, in the quarterfinals and semifinals, no question about it. But, uh, yeah, no tournament match, uh, round-robin matches with any of these guys. So my feeling on this one is you're the world heavyweight champion. You got to at least make it. I, I think it would be weird if he didn't make it out of the block. Uh, and then after I, that. I think uh, he's going to have the best record of any guy in the G1 this year. Yeah, I think he's going to get pushed hard. And then I can see Kiyomiya. I could see Umino coming out of this. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm really and, – and Suji, I think, is going to be involved. So this might be one of those blocks where – everybody is mathematically in it down the last day. Cause there's always one of those, right. Where it, everything is so even that it just comes down to whatever happens on the last. Maybe Sonata is clear and everybody else is battling th- for second I, place yeah. on the last day. I think, I think we are going to be in a position where Sonata m- might go undefeated, potentially loses once. And if he lost once, I think Yoda Suji is the guy to do it. Uh, or Kiyomiya, y- or Kiyomiya to get that title mm-hmm. shot afterwards. Maybe, but yeah. my be. my my suspicion is that Sonata is really going to look strong going into 
the post bracket play. And if he's going to have anything hanging, like, uh, you know, the platitudes to hang out, like him having the best record of any of the bracket contenders of all the brackets, him only losing once, maybe going, what, six and one in his matches where everyone else goes five, one and one. Or it could be a way or, they use the draw where he he, right. he wins and just has a draw. Maybe not a loss in this. You know, you don't want the champion losing too too no. many times in the G1 anyway because you got to give him the title matches. One time, but uh, I think everyone else is uh, likely to lose and draw at least like a combination of at least one loss or draw or two losses. Sonata, I think he's going to have the best record and he's going to have a record better than everybody else, even though that will probably be inconsequential going into the post bracket play. That's my low key guess. And and I would. Yeah. And you could do the whole thing where his only loss, his only loss is in the knockout stages that keeps him out of winning the G1. And so if you had Yoda Suji beat him, but Yoda Suji didn't make it into the post bracket play yoda suji has that really big like credit to his name but kaido kiyomiya moves on i think that uh that is beneficial booking for all people combined yeah because i mean kiyomiya is someone out of here whether it's shoda whether it's kiyomiya somebody needs to run into okada in the knockout round yes i think i think there are there are a number of things i think i kind of okay so okada if he were to win the B bracket, okay. he would immediately face either Zack Sabre Jr. or Naito. Mm. What if he so, finished second in that bracket? If he finished second in that bracket, he would face Shingo or David Finley. Hmm. So it wouldn't on. happen. So nobody from block, nobody from this block, block A, would face in the quarterfinals no. until the semis. Yes. Whoa. So and hmm. then it would be. So the winner of A1, which would be Sonata versus Shingo or David Finley, would face the winner of Okada versus Zack Sabre Jr. versus Naito. Mm. And that could theoretically be where Okada gets his title shot afterwards and then gets eliminated uh, later on in the G1. Mm-hmm. A tangled web we weave here. A it's tangled web. It's gonna be interesting to try to reverse engineer this. You know, you yeah, go like so, I think the, I think this guy's gonna win, and this is how he gets here. I it's wrote be fun to down, down. I wrote down the the numbers, and then I wrote down people who I thought it could be there, and then I'm just plugging and playing right there. So there is there's a lot, and we are we're definitely gonna go deeper into this. Uh, oh yeah, once we have more thoughts, but there for eight people to advance and then the layout in which the algebraic formula that I've been looking at that uh, is dividing by pi and everything else. Oh my goodness, my man. Here we go. A1 and the winner of A1 and C2 versus B1, D2. And then the winners of these three matches face off in the semifinals in the 13th. And then we have the final. There you go. All right. So, so we, we will be taking a look. And of course, we're going to preview the living hell out of the G1. Uh, might, we might have guests involved. We can't, we don't have anything lined up yet. So I don't want to say anything, but we've got, we got ideas. We do. We do. But uh, we got one last thing that I forgot to talk about. And that is uh, El Despolado. Oh, I, I didn't forget about this. Don't you worry. Nobody <laughs> forgot about this. One. So NJPW Strong is doing their first tapings in japan for that show for that show uh so it's going to be at korokan hall on the 4th and the 5th of july right mm-hmm. 
And so we are going to be seeing a special match involved in this one. Uh, John Moxley is coming over. And Jeremy, I'm going to let you take it from here to explain how we get into something that I'm not sure was on my bingo card for 2023. <laughs> this is, I believe, our favorite viewer Brad Ryder most exciting match of July 2023 so far. So <laughs> let's do a 90-second explanation into this. El Desperado called out John Moxley for a match. John Moxley then responded, okay, I'm into it. I got my buddy Homicide. You find yourself a partner. El Desperado was not really expecting this. And if you look into the uh, New Japan background screen, he is meeting up with an individual some might recognize as Jun Kasai, a deathmatch wrestler out of Japan. And so he explained at first, he kind of got into it with a certain Mr. John Moxley. <laughs> I love the translation. <laughs> so as Jun Kasai is hanging out with whether I presume it's his daughter or his granddaughter, he proceeds to explain the situation to Jun Kasai and that he needs a partner for this very wild deathmatch slash hardcore match that he is coming in. And he thought of all the people that he knows, Jun Kasai might be the guy. Jun Kasai goes, hmm, this is an interesting proposition. I need to think about it. But while I think about it, I think we need to raise the stakes a little bit. So I'm going to think about it. I will give you my answer. <laughs> I, I haven't decided, but I think we need to raise the stakes. But but if I do decide, be prepared for a deal with the devil. If you Wouldn't, will. It, wouldn't it be great if he raised the stakes and then said, ah, no, never mind. You guys yeah, so You're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> so Desperado has found himself in a hardcore match with Homicide and John Moxley. And he's asked Jun Kasai for help. And Jun Kasai presumably will not help him until he decides on a proper way to participate so that he has the most fun. Eldra Desperado is insane. And I think he's enjoying himself every step of the way. Yeah, Desperado has done some of this stuff before. I remember he worked for GCW, I think, didn't he? And uh, also he's, uh, he and Moxley had a thing with, I don't know, what was it? Some sort of weapons where they were tearing each other to pieces, so cutting oh, each other. Brad, Brad's excited. It's He said, it's I'm excited for this one. It's my favorite deathmatch wrestler. So there you go. Bet you didn't think you were going to see that in Cork. Well, and not Cork and Hall. Everybody runs Cork and Hall. Bet you didn't think you were going to see that on a New Japan show of Cork and Hall. Right. And then I uh, want to answer this question. Colin asked, uh, when does G1 start? Good point. We didn't mention that. We should. Uh, G1 will begin July 15th, and the first two shows, the 15th and the 16th, are in Hokkaido. So that's, they're going to run the same building there, and then uh, they'll, of course, go on the usual tour where they hit just about every big city. But the uh, kickoff, July 15th, and then uh, the next day, the, the 16th, uh, in, uh, in uh, Hokkaido at the Prefectural Sports Center. And, uh, Jeremy, I don't know if you noticed this, but in uh, the Chiba show, it's my favorite building, the one with the escalators in the back. I always yes, love that one. I, yes. I love that. My so, Stephen, I don't think you know this because uh, we were figuring it out uh, behind the scenes. We are going to be on the Fight Game Media regular feed this week. So oh, if you are listening to our show, please know that we air live on YouTube, drive time, 5.15 Eastern, 2.15 Pacific, every Tuesday. If you're into our show, if you're into New Japan, if you're into how New Japan incorporates with the rest of the world, please check us out. Thank you. Steven, you got any socials? 
Well, I do. And I also want to mention very quickly, though, and I will get to those socials. I will mention very quickly what's coming up on New Japan World this week. Mm. We will see on uh, Saturday, June 17th. This is going up on the streaming service in uh, Hachioji in Tokyo, Greater Tokyo. That is uh, Fujita versus Master Wato in a singles match. Also, Sanada and Doki against Hiromu Takahashi and Yodasuji as the main event. And then they're going back against that Blue Justice show on uh, in Chiba again on Sunday, the uh, June 18th. That is the Nagata show, the Yuji Nagata show. And that is, uh, again, five guys against LIJ in a multi-person match. But the main event is Master Wato, Satoshi Kojima, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Yuji Nagata, the Triple Crown champion, taking on from all Japan, uh, Yuma Anzai, the super rookie we mentioned earlier. The Ayogi brothers, Atsuki and Yuma, and Kento Miyahara in that main event Sunday, June 18th in uh, in Chiba for the Yuji Nagata Blue Justice Show. Big match show. Miyahara. <laughs> That's right. And, of course, next week we'll be back here really with a preview of Forbidden Door, and we're going to be talking more G1, and there's just all kinds of things going on. Also, uh, after Forbidden Door, I want to mention, we're going to have a guest on the show who is uh, live in the crowd from Power Bombshells, Mel uh, Mel is going to join us there. Mel Gray. She is at Mel Gray and, and she is attending the show live. So much good stuff coming up. And uh, we hope you join us for it. I am at Stephen Conway 88 on Twitter. Jeremy, anything else to plug? Jared Fonestone at Twitter here. Check us out on YouTube next Tuesday. All right. Hype so Game once, Media channel. <laughs> once again, thanks to everybody who's watching us live and listening here as a podcast. We really appreciate you. We have so much fun doing these shows. I've had a blast working with the other folks on the Fight Game Network this week. And what Forbidden Door does is it allows us to kind of uh, guest on each other's programs and you get a hint of uh, all the great programming here. And it's so much fun to be part of uh, this group. So thank you all again for watching and listening. For Jeremy Feinstone, I'm Stephen Conway. Thanks for joining us for Speaking of Strong Style. We'll see you again real soon.